Inside this, we put a piece of fish. We let it steep for a couple of days under the sun and uh, not in the refrigeration. And uh, we were just wondering who might want to take a smell of this and tell me what kind of fish it is. Miss Bert, did you want to do that? Oh, she's going, to, she's going to try. All right, good. All right, we don't want to stink the whole place out, so we're just going to do a little tiny bit, all right? Can you tell me what kind of fish that is? No. Smell again. No? Does it smell like fish? Some of fish? You want to smell it? It doesn't smell like fish at all? No. No. Would you, would you want to take a smell? Does it smell like fish? No. 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 It, it doesn't. It doesn't smell like fish. It doesn't smell like smell like bad stinky fish. No. Huh? What do you do when some someone tells you the contents of a package, and your senses tell you something different? When someone tells you the contents of a package, and then your senses are able to figure out what it is, something's wrong, right? Either your senses are telling you the wrong information, or the person told you the wrong content. Too often, though, folks, we are, as people, believing what people tell us is in the contents, regardless of what our senses tell us. There is no fish in there. It's nice, smelly stuff. We've told you before that pride, in order for us to keep ourselves out of pride or out of that, we said. Remember what the that stood for? That pride, when it comes into us, it comes first off through our thoughts. It then comes into our heart. It has an effect upon our actions. And then it has an influence upon our thoughts. That. Thoughts, heart, actions, thinking. I'm sorry. Words. Our talk. That was the last one we did. was our speech. It affects these things. We have folks that are going around telling themselves and telling us, I'm not in pride. But we look at their actions and we look at their words and they tell us a different story. But we decide, well, I need to believe what they tell me. And we therefore never deal with the pride that's in there. Nor do the people who have the pride deal with it because they are telling themselves the contents is different. Just because I say a thing contains something does not mean that it does. Sometimes we have to check out what is the contents of the package. In the same way, when God tells us that by faith anything is possible and our senses tell us something different, we have to decide, am I going to believe my senses or am I going to believe the one who tells me the contents of the package? We've got it backwards. Most times we believe when God tells us something, we believe our senses. When man tells us something, we believe them. We should have it the other way around. When people speak something to us, we should believe our senses a lot more. When God speaks something to us, we should disbelieve our senses. But very often we're going to find ourselves in a place where our senses differ from what we are told. And we need to decide which one you're going you're gonna to hang on to. Stupid people, <laughs> stupid people, believe folks who tell them the contents of a package, even though their senses tell them something different. 
And they go around, well, that's that. Well, well no, it's not. <laughs> look at this. Look at, you can present them evidence that it's not that. Well, no, that's that because so-and-so said it was. Well, that's kind of, uh, kind of crazy. If you have a pile of laundry, how do you determine if that pile of laundry is clean or dirty? You see, it could have come right from the dryer and somebody could have put it out to be folded. Or somebody could have it ready to go into the wash. How do you tell if that pile of laundry is clean or dirty? You smell it. We have one around the house right now, but uh, if, when you have babies around the house, how do you tell the contents of a diaper? Is it clean or is it dirty? How do you tell? <laughs> you can smell it. <laughs> when you were walking down the street and you walk past a brand new restaurant, never been there before. And all of a sudden you pick up a smell and you're thinking, I want to go in. Right. Do you know anything about the contents of the restaurant? The menu? No, you just. I just smelled something and we picked that up. Folks, your senses are telling you some things about what you're hearing and you're not listening to it. We've got people that are in pride all around us and we're not listening, we're not smelling, we're not hearing the signs and therefore we're not dealing with it. Now remember when we started this series, we went back on the king of Asa. I haven't forgotten Asa. He's still there. He's still sitting there waiting for us to get back to him. We'll get back to Asa. We're still laying some other, other things. I laid out for us here. The actions of pride. If pride comes into our life, it comes into our thoughts, it gets into our heart, it has an effect upon our actions. There are certain actions that are going to come out of being prideful. There are certain words that we can tell their influence is that of pride. I gave you six things, two of which we're going to get in here today. The first one is people that are in pride blame others, not themselves. If you see someone going around blaming other people, not themselves, you don't have to ask what's inside. What's inside that person? Pride. Pride is inside. How do you know that? <laughs> and we're going to show you some examples of this this year too. But uh, one of the ones we, we certainly saw was, uh, was Adam. Brother Joe was even digging into this. I thought, oh, go on. He's getting into some of this stuff. He... Uh, Adam, when God confronted him on his sin, what did he say? The woman. When he confronted the woman, what did she say? The serpent. The serpent. <laughs> we are, we're looking to blame other people. Why? Because we're in pride. When you get in pride, what does God do with you? He resists you. You don't want to be there. If you have friends who are in pride, be careful. You ever been hurt by people? Guarantee you will not be hurt by a humble person. I'll say that again. I guarantee you, you will not be hurt by a humble person. Who's the people who are going to hurt you? Pride. The ones filled with pride. If you can tell them before they get close to you, can't you do something about it? You can try and help them. You can be a little bit more on guard about them. If God is on guard with people who are in pride, what does that say you ought to be? If God resists the proud, what should you do? If God gives grace to the humble, who should you give your grace to? See, too often, folks, we're giving grace to the prideful and wondering why we get hurt. And we go before God and pray to God, well, God, how come I got hurt? How come I got hurt? God says, you did something I wouldn't do. 
I, I wouldn't do that. I told you not to do it. I told you I don't do it. We're not listening. First off, they blame others, not themselves. If you get around people, how many have ever had a boss who always blamed other people? Never took anything on themselves. How fun was that boss to work with? Did that boss ever do anything to develop you as a person? How many have ever had a boss who was very humble and took on the blame when he was at fault? Did you grow into that boss? Yeah, difference there, huh? Here's the second one. People that are in pride, second action, they judge others, not themselves. A person who is in pride will judge others around them, but they will not judge themselves. Here's a third one. We'll show you some examples of this in the, in the Word as well. But They get angry at others, not themselves. Have you ever had a boss? Have you ever had a friend? They're always angry at somebody. Always angry at somebody. But they're never angry at themselves with what they cause. They're in pride. Here's the fourth one. They edify themselves, not others. Have you ever been around people who are constantly tell you, telling you all the good things they do? Well, I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and I do this. Did they ever hear them talking about other people? They edify themselves, not others. They amplify themselves and not others. They will take whatever it is that they do, and they will triple it, quadruple it. Make it bigger than it was. The fish story. I caught a fish this big. <laughs> right? I must have caught 20 fish. In reality, they got one. Had to throw it back. Got 20 bites, no fish. They amplify themselves. That's a person in pride. If you see someone who continually amplifies the things that they do, and never anyone else, you, you don't have to ask what's in their heart. They're telling you what's in it. If you open up a can and it smells bad, would you eat it? But the content says it's good. You look at the date on the thing. What's the date say? It says it's okay. If you open up milk, take that top off, and you smell, oh. And you look at the date, and the date says three days from now it'll be bad. But you smell it. Are you going to drink it? No. Why? <laughs> I, because I can tell the contents are not right. So why don't we do this with people? Well, they, didn't, they tell me they're not in pride. Yeah, okay. They amplify themselves, not others. They will gossip about others, but won't gently correct. person in pride will constantly tell you all the faults, all the miscues, all the things other people have done but will never go to them and gently correct them. The humble focused on gently correcting and not broadcasting. But the prideful will gossip. There's six things. There's probably more. We're just giving you six things. If you see any one of these things coming out of someone, pride is in there. How should you handle them? Same way God does. Be careful. Here's the, here's the last one I gave you. Eventually, they love themselves, not others. People in pride will eventually love themselves, not others. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, but know this, in the last days, are we in the last days? Oh, yeah. I was listening to Brother Keith, and I just, I, he came out with this, and I thought, man, this is great. <laughs> he says, uh, 
He says, uh, everybody keeps thinking we're in the last days. How many have heard that? We're in the last days. We're in the last days. You know, Paul thought he was in the last days. So he had a statement about this. I thought it was just incredible. He says, we are in the last, we are in the latest of the last days anyone's ever lived. I thought, yeah, that's true. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt about that. That was, that was great. I, I enjoyed that. I got a chuckle out of that one. We are in the latest of the last days anyone has ever lived. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal despisers of good traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. From such people, bring them close to you. Get close friends out of that group. What's it say? Turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins led away with various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janis and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. They will become lovers of themselves. People who walk in a path of pride will become lovers of themselves. If you put yourself close to these people, who do they love more? themselves, then if push comes to shove, who are they going to save? Themselves. Themselves. You see these signs in people, you ought to take notice. I bet you if you begin to think back, as you meditate on this today, you begin to think back. Think back to some of the people that hurt you. Did you see some of these signs before they ever got a chance to hurt you? And you just didn't listen? Maybe you just didn't know. We want you to know. Let's take a look at the first one here, blame. Adam, as we already said, was one of them. He blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. Blame game started off right up. As soon as sin came in, blame came, came on. Saul, we've talked about this, this passage of Scripture before. When uh, Samuel was delayed, or at least you know, he said, wait seven days and I'll be there. And on the seventh day, he saw the people leaving and he, he felt compelled and he offered the sacrifice. Saul did, the king. As soon as he was done offering the sacrifice, Samuel came up. And what did Samuel say? Hmm. What did you do? Well, when I saw that the people were leaving, that the Philistines were gathering, and that you hadn't come yet, I felt compelled and I offered the sacrifice. Is it Saul's fault? No, you know, it's not my fault. It's the people, they were leaving. It's the Philistines, they were gathering. It's you because you weren't here. It's my fault. Remember Aaron? Here's another one, just an extra one for you. Remember Aaron when Moses came down from the mountain and saw the, two, the, the golden calf? He said to Aaron, he says, Aaron, what happened? Well, I don't know. I was just sitting here minding my own business. You know, and we put this gold in the pot and poof, out came this golden calf. <laughs> the funniest thing. <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> Aaron, aren't you a person who, who crafts things from gold? Yeah, I, I, I do that, but it just came out that way. I don't know what happened. We had people, they came, they brought their gold, we put it in a pot, and out came the golden calf. We're blaming other people. Why? 
because we've gone into pride. People who blame others have fallen into pride. Now, if you get in the area where you start blaming yourself for everything, you're not in pride. You are in false humility. And both are a ditch. Don't get in either one. Take responsibility for what you need to take responsibility for. And that's it. Put this in your outline. I cannot repent until I take responsibility first, right? There's no way I can repent for something unless I take responsibility for it. Well, I didn't do anything, but, but I'm sorry. Will that work? Well, I didn't actually do that, but I'm sorry it happened. There's, there's no change there. Blame only passes on responsibility. And it takes, re- repentance takes on the responsibility. You cannot repent as long as you are blaming someone else. If you can't repent, you can't change. I'll put this in your outline. Until we find the cause, no lasting change will come about. Until we find the cause, there will be no lasting change. Think of it this way. How many have ever had a problem with your car? <laughs> We've all had a problem with the car, right? You get a noise. You get a something's not functioning right. How do you bring about change? You got to get you got to get it fixed. You got to go find out. You got to take it to somebody. What is the problem? What is causing the problem? It won't work if you go get an air freshener. Put an air freshener, stick it in the car, get a little Christmas tree air freshener, put it in there, and the whole car smells like pine now. But it's not fixed. It smells good, but it's not fixed. We want to fix the car. We want to, in order to do that, you've got to get to the problem. Who's to blame? Is it the brakes? If the brakes are to blame, the brakes need to step up and say, we're to blame. We're not working right. If the bearings are not right, then they need to step up. It's, it's us. It's the bearings. If you fix us, we'll fix the problem. Right? Who's to blame? And all we really care about finding the blame for is so we can fix it. How many always, how many like to go back to those auto repair places that say, well, we're not sure. It might be this. And you fix that and spend three or four hundred dollars fixing that and it's not it. It's still having the same problem. All right, we fixed something, but we didn't find the thing that was to blame. In order to make a permanent change, I've got to find out what was to blame and fix it. You ever lived in a house that had some strange noises? What do you want to do about that? Well, fix it. What's making the strange noise? If it's a uh, raccoon up in your attic, take care of it. You don't want the raccoon going up in the attic. If it's squirrels somewhere, you take care of the thing. If something got into the walls, you want to take care of it. Don't sit there and hide under the blanket. It's not going to do any good. We've got to find out what it is. We don't want those things going around and causing harm. Put this in your outline. Accepting blame for what you did not do or are not responsible for is as useless as passing on blame that belongs to you. If you go on one side of the ditch of being falsely humble, or pride, you will not get to the problem. You may take, well, I'm, I, I don't know if I did that or not, but I'll take responsibility. Well, if you take responsibility, you need to be able to bring about a change. If you can't bring about a change, you can't take on responsibility because you can't fix it. I mean, what if your, your tire says, you know what? I'm going to take the rap on this one. Blame me. You know, if you want, replace me, fix me, whatever. I'll take the rap on this one. And you do. And 
It's still going on. Well, it didn't do any good. Somebody took responsibility, but it didn't cause a change. If we want to cause a change in that car, we've got to find out who's guilty. Who's causing the problem? Who needs to be fixed? Who needs some attention? And then you, you get in there and you, you take care of that attention. I put this in your outline. Repentance is for the purpose of change. That's why repentance is there. It's not for the purpose of fixing blame. Repentance is for the purpose of change. God wants you to repent because he wants you to change. He wants there to be a change of behavior. He wants something to be altered. He says, you're going along in a path that's bad. We need to fix it. We need to do something about it. When Adam is passing blame, he doesn't realize he just put himself on the path for death and destruction. God knows he's on a path now for death and destruction. He wants to fix it. Adam wants to hide it. It's not going to do any good. Repentance is for the purpose of change. Anything less is just for show. It's just for show. There's a lot of people who put on shows. You know, they can come up to the front of the church. They can weep. They can wail. They can make all sorts of a, a scene. And then in the afternoon, go right back out and do it. Anything less is just for show. God's not in the show. He wants to change. So why would anyone, anyone want to put on a show instead of enact real change? Why would, why would anyone want to do that? Simple. They care more about how a thing looks instead of how a thing lasts. It's like those folks out there that have the old car, but they buy new rims. All right? Old car, beat up car, making all kinds of noise going on down the road, but we got new rims. And they shine. <laughs> Why? We're in the show. Old car, beat up car, doesn't even look like it's going to make it on down the road, but it's got a souped up sound system. Right? It's for show. How many want a car for function? Show's okay. It's all right to, to show. But I want a car that's going to get me there, then get me back. That's a, that's a lot more important. They care more about looks than they do about how the thing will last. I put this in your outline too. Pride is concerned with how they look to others. Pride is concerned, how does this look to other people? Remember when Saul confronted Samuel about it? And you want to go back into Samuel, you can go back there and read it. It wasn't too long ago we covered this story. But after Samuel rebuked Saul for what he did with the sacrifice... Remember, he says, look, will you still go with me into the camp? Will you still honor me with the people? Why? He's concerned about show. I'm concerned about how this looks to people. Some people care more about looks than how a thing lasts. Pride is concerned about how they look to others. The humble with how the kingdom looks to people. The humble are concerned with how the kingdom of God looks to people. People in pride care how they look. To people. The humble, how the kingdom of God looks to people. They don't care about how they look, but how the kingdom of God. What does this say for the kingdom of God? There are lots of folks who want to put blame on others. We're always looking to, to, to blame, to blame this and to blame that and to blame another. I get so tired of politicians who just want to blame. How few have been our presidents who would stand up and say, that's on me. I'm going to change it and do 
this week we had that whole thing with the VA. I mean, tune in on that and hear what's going on, that people were actually dying. Veterans who had served our country were actually dying. They were being put on waiting lists and were waiting six months, ten months, a year. And some of them died in that condition because there was a waiting list. The president came out and said he was shocked and he just read about it reading the newspaper. I heard somebody, I heard somebody else say this before too, but it's a, it's a shame. Uh, the, the president has all this staff and how many times has he come out and says, first I heard of it when you did it, when I read it in the newspaper this morning. Why in the world does he have all that staff? Why not just call the editors of the newspaper and just say, hey, what's going on? And we don't have to pay all the people that are on the staff. We just pay the people that are in the newspaper. I don't understand that. How would, a, how would anyone in that kind of a position even want to say that? I didn't hear, I didn't hear about it until, until this. The IRS scandal. When did the president hear about that? When it came out in the New York Times? Really? Okay. But then what we, what we see, what I was mostly disappointed about this, is how much and how quick we were to blame others. How we were saying, it's first I heard of it. It's kind of funny, though, how he campaigned on it in 2008. How he talked about how while he was in Congress, he sponsored two bills for the VA. Of course, they died in committee, but that didn't matter. He tried. He said it was an issue back in 2008. So how did, it, how did he lose sight? How is it that we're blaming other people? And I saw that one of their solutions here was to, to uh, fire the, uh, the guy who's, uh, I forget his name now, the general that they put in charge. They, um, they, they, they put him in charge and they said, that, you know, we're relieving him of his duties. That's kind of interesting because September, October last year is when he announced his retirement. And in May 1st of this year is when the president announced his successor. But we're supposed to forget about that. And, uh, you know, we're going to take action on this. And so, you know, we get angry. We're going to have meetings and we're going to have investigations. That's not solving a problem. See, no one's taking the problem seriously. And it's not the first time it's been that way. How many times has the president said how angry he is? I counted this in, uh, at least 10 or 12 times, 10 or 12 situations where he came out and his response was, I am angry. Well, good. It's okay to be angry at some things, but what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? It does not matter, folks, if you get angry at a situation. It does not matter if you get guilty or what matters is what change do you bring about? God does not care about how you feel about the situation. What he cares about is, are you going to change it? Are you going to change it? Is change going to come about? Do you know for all the, all the fuss that people in government made about the financial people and the bonuses they got? Remember that uh, whole thing that went back a couple of years ago? And of course, they gave them a reason for a new legislation and new reasons to, to regulate people. And if you're wondering why your bank fees are there, now that they weren't there before, that's uh, one of the reasons why. But that's a whole other, <laughs> whole other thing. But they were getting all these big bonuses, and you know AIG was paying out bonuses and all these guys. Do you know that the VA administration paid out bonuses to people not for getting care to people sooner, but for making a promise that it would? Not on results, only on a promise. By how many people they put onto a new waiting list? That it was a 14-day waiting list that people died on. They got paid a bonus for that. If you're really upset at those things, how does that happen? Anger does not change things. 
people who will take, and just take and blame and, and blame somebody and fire them. It doesn't solve anything. I don't know why we think, well, firing somebody is going to solve it. It doesn't necessarily solve it. You can fire this guy and put somebody else in. If the problem is in, in, in the way that it's being done, you, no matter who's the head, they're going to have the same problem. You've got to figure out what, who's the, what is the blame? What is the cause of this thing? And then we've got to deal with it. God wants us to find out what is the cause of the problem that I have. And he wants me to take blame for what I can do. Not for what I can't do, for what I can do. He wants me to take the blame for what is my fault or what is my responsibility. That's what he wants. Because those are the things I can change. I can change these things in, in, in here. I can't, change, I can't change that. But I can change this. And that's what we take, a, take charge with. We've got to do that. Get out of the blame game. Get out of the blame. Be more concerned with how the kingdom looks than how you look. Get, I get tired of people who care about how they look. Care about the kingdom. Father God, I want your kingdom to look good here. I want this to, to go on. When, um, we'll cover this again later on. Remember David was confronted with the prophet? On the matter with Bathsheba? And when the prophet says, David, you're the man, what, is, what does David say? Uh, it wasn't my fault. It was Bathsheba. She's the one out on the, on the roof. I didn't kill her husband. That was Joab. I didn't do it. He didn't do that, did he? What did he do? I have sinned. I have sinned. He didn't try and blame anyone else. As soon as he's confronted, well, he finally, God had confronted him other times. Now he's finally got a prophet in his face and he says, I have sinned. There's other instances of times when people in the Word of God did that. And when God says, yeah, you did. All right, but now we can fix this. Now we can get this right. Remember Josiah when he dug out the scrolls in the temple? And, he, and they read them, hadn't read them, and they didn't know they were there. The scrolls, what's God saying to us? And they, they read, oh man, we are in trouble. We are in trouble. What did they say to God? God, it's not our fault, it was their fault. If we had seen these, we would have been doing it. He didn't do that, did he? He said, God, we've sinned. And God says, yeah, you have. But I tell you what, because you repented, I'm not going to do it in your lifetime. Hmm. Just stand up and take the blame. God's not there trying to sit there and... And, and, and tear you down. He's trying to say, look, there's a problem. Let's fix it. Let's get it going. I want you to go on. I want you to have a good life. Here's the second one. People that are in pride judge others, not themselves. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 1, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. Way too often, we've looked at examples of this before. Way too often, people who are making judgments are doing the same thing. If you were here on Wednesday night or if you listened to the, the uh, postings we put up on that, you would have caught the same situation in the book of Acts where people who were guilty of the same thing blame Paul. Put it off on Paul. Paul didn't do it. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? <laughs> do you think just because you judge other people, you're going to escape? Or do you despise the riches of the goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? 
But in accordance with your harden, the hardness of your heart, the impotence you are treasuring up, impenitence of your, 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 yourself, wrath in a day of wrath, and revelation for the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey the unrighteous, unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, Tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek. Don't despise the things of God. He says, but accordance with your heart, the hardness of your heart. The lack of repentance that you have going on. You are treasuring up for yourselves wrath. God says, man, you got this wrath that's piling up. It's, it's getting more and more. And it's going to come down on you. I'm trying to help you not have that going on. I'm trying to point it out to you. And if you keep blaming other people, you're not taking care of what you need to do. And it's going to come down. It's going to come down on you. And God doesn't want that to happen. He wants you to, to overcome it. In Romans chapter 14, verse 10, But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt with your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. And therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. Stop being so concerned about judging other people. Take care of yourself. Now, we have these verses. Some say judge and some say don't judge. What is it? We've, we've talked about it before. Am I to judge others or am I not to judge others? Remember a few weeks ago, we looked at burying each other's burdens. Are we supposed to bury each other's burdens or are we supposed to, are we supposed to bear their own burdens? So we looked at the difference in that and we saw we are supposed to bear the heavy burdens of someone else. But the day to day, they're supposed to bear themselves. That's back in Galatians. That's just a review on, on that. But here in the judging part, what are we supposed to do? Because some people are taking this and they applied it in just a general thing. Well, you're not supposed to judge me. No, I'm not supposed to judge your heart unless you tell me what your heart is. Then I can judge it. I can't say, well, I know why they did that. I don't. I know that you did. And see, I can judge your actions. I can judge what you do. It's just like your kids. You know, if your kids go into the kitchen and steal a couple of cookies. I don't know why they stole the cookies. I don't know the motivation, but I can judge the action. Maybe they stole the cookies because there was a little boy down the road and he's never had a cookie. And they wanted to share, right? Maybe that was the... <laughs> you're skeptical, I understand. <laughs> but, you know, there could be a good motivation for why they went in there and stole the cookies and, and took them on down the road and they didn't eat it themselves. You don't know the motivation. But you can judge the action. I can judge the action. But sometimes I want to get clued into the motivation. How do I get clued into the motivation? I ask you, why did you do that? Well, those cookies really look good. Because you're such a good cook, Mom. And you always make such great cookies. And I just couldn't wait until after dinner because I just wanted to sample the goodness of your cookies. <laughs> you might be sensing another motivation in there, I understand. But, you see, we, we can expose our motivation. When people expose their motivation, I can judge it. But I cannot judge... A motivation that has not been exposed. I can't do it. That's for God to do. God judges the heart. But if you tell me what's in your heart, I can judge it. 
That's wrong. You shouldn't do that. Why'd you do that? Because I hate them. Well, that's wrong. You shouldn't hate them. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> I can judge that. I can go to the Word and say, Thou shalt not hate. We can go to the Word and we can do stuff with that. But uh, you've got to re- reveal that. So I'm supposed to judge what I see. If your actions stink, I'm supposed to tell you about it. As a brother or sister in Christ. If you see somebody else's actions and they stink, you know what you ought to do? Tell them about it. Same, same way if you have a friend and they smell terrible. They haven't showered in a week and a half. Hair's all greasy and oily. And you as a friend would say, man, you look good. Right? That what you do? Then what would you do? Man, you stink. You need to go get a shower. <laughs> Find out what's going on there. I can't judge why you haven't gotten a shower, but I can judge that you need one. That's what we need to do. 1 Corinthians 11 and 31. For if we judge ourselves, we would not be... God won't have to judge it if we do it. We need to do it. James 4, verse 11. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. One lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who is that lawgiver? He is God. Who are you to judge another? I can't judge what's in a person's heart. It's not for me to do. But again, if they tell me what's in their heart, I can judge it. And we're here to help each other out. The Word of God says, if you see your brother in sin, ignore him. No, it doesn't say that, does it? No, you need to correct him. You need to correct him with the right attitude. In order for me to see your brother in sin, I have to pass judgment. I have to judge that that is a sin. In John chapter 12, verse 1. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Then one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. He's simply saying this. Judas is saying this. That, that, that could have been sold. It could have been put into the treasury. We could use it for the poor. What he's really saying it is, I could have used it for my own stuff. Because he stole out of it. He stole out of it. So he said, if we sold that and we put it in here, I would have had 300 denarii to use. I could have, told, I could have taken some. I may not have gotten all 300, but I could have gotten some of it. And he could have used it. For what? The kingdom? No. So he's looking at this woman's doing, and he's not seeing it being used for the kingdom. And he's accusing her. When actually he's taking money out and not using it for the kingdom. So that's what people in pride do. And Judas has been caught up in pride. We've got to make sure that we don't do that. If you see people who are doing things, have actions, have talk like a prideful person, then understand they're in pride and they, can, they have the potential to hurt you. They have the potential. We'll use this as an example. How many people like snakes? Anybody like snakes? 
How many, how many, if you see a snake, you don't discern whether it is a poisonous snake or a venomous snake or a um, constrictor or and you don't care about that, right? What do you care about? It's a snake. It's a snake. We don't sit around and say, oh, what kind of snake is that? What kind of snake is that? We don't, we don't do that. We have a response, for most of us have a response like Monk. How many of you ever watched Monk? Did you see Monk when he came into the house and there was a thing there and there was two snakes inside of it? And he's looking at the two snakes and he's observing them. And all of a sudden, Monk gets very scared and he jumps up on the table. And the commander says, you know, what are you doing up on the table? He says, well, it says, Man- I think it was Manny, Moe, and-, and Jack, was it? It's a- that means there's three snakes in there and there's only two. That means the third one's out here somewhere. <laughs> he-, he made that deduction. And he's up there on the table. Because he's not going to be around. He don't, he don't care what kind of snake it is. He's, just, he's got the fear of snakes. He doesn't like those kind of things. And we have that. We, we don't want it. If God is showing you the signs of prideful people, he's saying, be careful with those folks. What happens a lot of times is that the prideful people are more, voice, more boisterous. They push themselves into our life a lot more. And the humble people don't. So the prideful people get involved in our life and the humble people stay off on the side. And the people who could help us, the people who won't hurt us, have no connection to our life. And the people who can hurt us are the ones who are the most connected. And we wonder why we have problems. God has given you the signs. He says, here, this is what is a good person. This is what is a bad person. Make a judgment. doesn't mean that you don't help them out at all. Prideful people need to get pulled out of pride. Too often, though, folks, they don't want to. Put this in your outline. I can judge actions, words, things that are revealed. I can judge them. Whatever is revealed, I can judge it. I cannot judge what is hidden. Such will be revealed and judged. God will reveal what is hidden in the end. Somewhere along the way, what is hidden is going to be brought out and judged. Have you ever had a boss and you know things were not right and they were hiding a lot of stuff and then all of a sudden and nothing was being done, nothing was being done, you were getting frustrated, nothing's being done, then all of a sudden what was hidden came out and what happened? They were judged. God says, it'll, it'll come out. I'll put this for you. When we, when we judge without evidence, we are acting from pride. These will not be persuaded even when evidence is to the contrary. We talk about these every now and then, but look at the global warming people. When you show them the evidence that what they're saying is false, and you can show them straight up evidence. You have no global warming for no warming at all for 17 years. You can look at the evidence of the volcanoes. One big volcano eruption is more of their gases than we've ever put out, and the Earth just swallows it right up. There's more ice now than there has been ever. They just mapped that out. I just had an article about how much square miles of ice there is now. Uh, than ever, more than ever. There's more polar bears than ever. And, and yet, they, they don't want to take the evidence. You can show them the evidence. No, 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 it's wrong. No, 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 it's wrong. We talked to you before about the prideful people with that. But you can present them evidence. They're not gonna, they don't care. Because this is where they are. See, the humble are after the truth. The prideful are after a cause. But the humble are after a truth. As the proud look to pass off blame, they try to help the process by passing judgment. 
How many times have you heard that people who don't believe in global warming are outliers? They're deniers. All the different names that are put on them. There's no evidence for it, but we just we put all this stuff out there on them. They just pass judgment on them. And now you're looking at, a, in, in today's world, the people who believe that abortion is wrong. Judgment is passed on them. The people that believe that marriage is between a man and a, and a, and a woman are judged as being wrong. And they don't have a right to work. They don't have a right to have a job. They don't have a right to own a team. All kinds of things. I put this in your outline. On Prideful people will speak to what is hidden as if it is revealed. Prideful people will speak to what is hidden as if it is revealed. That's a sign of, a, of being prideful. Because when new things are revealed, they don't... No, we're not going to take that. The humble accept blame for what they did or what they are responsible for without condition. That's a humble person. I did it. I, did, I need to change that. I need to fix that. That's on me. They enact lasting change because they care about their service to God. That's why they do it. The proud pass blame for what they did or what they are responsible for or accept partial responsibility with excuses. Well, all right, I did that, but, you know, this is the reasons why. (laughs) They put on a temporary show because they care only or mostly about themselves, how they look to others or what they can get others to do for them. We got to care more about the kingdom than anything in this world. When we get to a place where we care more about the kingdom than anything in this world, we are fit for the kingdom. In Luke chapter 9, verse 62, it's not in your outline. If you want to write it down, you can write down the reference. Luke chapter 9, verse 62. But Jesus said to, said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I want to get fit for the kingdom. Here's one more. Luke chapter 14, verse 26. If anyone... 35, 26 through 35. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. For whoever does not bear his cross, come after me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he is enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to war? Against the king, another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able to, with 10,000, meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So, get this, likewise, whatever or whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the landfill Land, nor for the dunghill. But men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We've got to get rid of some of the stuff that we seem to care about in our life and go on with the things of God. It's holding us back. It's, pulling, it's holding us into the area of pride. Get out of the area of pride. It's imperative that we do. There are signs. God has given us signs all over. We just went over two of them. We'll go over some more. These are signs that will, will tell us, hey, I'm in pride. I got this thing going on in me. Get out of it. There are actions. There are thoughts. There's talk that goes on that is prideful talk. Prideful actions. Prideful thoughts. Spot them. 
Get them out. Don't let them in. When people are this way around you, don't bring them into your close circle. They are going to hurt you. Things can go right. Good, 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 good for months and maybe even years. And then all of a sudden, like that, they will bite you. Stab you in the back because they care about themselves the most. Then say you can't help them. But there are some people that are more humble. They're not trying to push their, themselves into your life. But you can get them involved. Those are the people. Those are the ones that you want. Those are the ones that are going to help you. Stay with them. Look for them. God will bring them about. Prideful people, they're not going to help you. Humble people, yeah, they're going to help you. You can begin to follow after them. Become humble yourself. Humble does not mean weak. Doesn't mean you don't stand up for anything. Doesn't mean you take the blame for everything. It's not humble. Humble knows who you, a humble person knows who you are, why you're here, where you're going, and what you need to do. A humble person does not involve themselves in areas where they were not given charge. Pride people, proudful people do. People that are in pride will involve themselves in all areas even though they have no business in it. That's a prideful person. Well, they're not, they don't seem very prideful. That's a prideful action. The humble people know where they're supposed to be. Is God proud? No, God is not proud at all. Will God put himself in your life if you don't ask him? God has to be invited, right? Isn't he the one we're supposed to be mimicking? Isn't he the one supposed to go after? If you involve yourself in other people's lives and they haven't asked you for it, whose behavior are you imitating? It's not God's. You need to have that imitation. People invite you. Go on in. But if they suddenly uninvite you, what would God do? If you, if you invited God, God, come on into my heart. Go ahead, help me out. And then all of a sudden you say, God, I don't want you anymore. What does God do? Okay, but I'm here. I'm here. That's the example we should follow. Too often, folks, we've allowed pride to get in, into our hearts. We've allowed pride to get in our lives. And we allow people who are proud to get in us as well. Your heroes in life should be humble people. Not people that are proud. Not people that keep blaming other people for everything. Not people that are going around judging and not judging themselves. And we'll go over with some of the others as well. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the help that you give us in life. That you have called us to a place, Father, to walk in this life humbly. Humbly. You give grace to the humble. And Father, we thank you for it. We look forward to that grace coming into our life. We want to walk the way that you have us walk. Follow after your footsteps. Father, if we have moved our lives into a place of pride, reveal it to us so that we can take responsibility for it and correct it. And we will. And help us, Father, to identify those people that are around our life that are humble, whose involvement with us will be greatly helped. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We had some uh, praise reports, I'm sure. And is Lamar out with the kids? Is he coming back anytime soon? 
this is Lamar's last Sunday here with us. Uh, Tuesday, he, Tuesday he leaves. And he's going to be heading on out for uh, uh, training. He's going to be gone for two and a half months for boot camp and then six months of training outside that. We won't see him for the first two and a half months for, the, for that. And you won't even hear from him much, will you? Yeah, maybe once or, once or twice in here and there. is isn't going to be too much. So um, uh, if, if we can get word to him, I'd like to pray over you guys before he, uh, he gets out of here. Um, but that's, that's, uh, that's going on here. Then he's going to be training for six months. Uh, I believe he was telling me down in the Carolinas, he thinks, somewhere in there. Uh, boot camp is going to be down in Texas, but uh, I believe he's training down in the Carolinas for what he's going to be doing. And then he'll be stationed up over here in, uh, in the Willow Grove for the um, Air National Guard. If you didn't, uh, didn't know about that, he's going to be in, involved with those. I think most folks already knew about that. But we wanted to pray over them before they uh, embark on this. It's a, uh, area that they've gone in, they've both been agreement on, on in going that direction. So uh, we'll get Lamar on over here and see if we can do that. It's good to see his folks over here too. It's always nice to, to see that. You have uh, some praise reports? I know of a couple, but I think people have probably already turned them in, so I don't want to. Uh, this one's from Ethel. Um, a couple weeks ago, she asked us to pray for her uh, her godson Kai. Um, his wife was eight months pregnant, I believe it was, and her his, her name was Monique, and she was diagnosed with high blood pressure. Um, the blood pressure came down, and the baby's fine, and was weighing 6 pounds 11 ounces at the doctor's visit that they had. So she is now doing well, and the baby is well, and all is, is good along that line. Um, she also said she followed the wisdom to check on a situation yesterday versus this morning. If I had waited, it could have imp- it could have impaired her coming to church today. So God alerted her to something that she needed to take care of. Um, and this is from Tony. She said she got a job working at home. Praise God. So she can work at home and, and make some money. 